Hey, Jen, how are you? I'm good, Andrew. How are you today? I am fantastic, as always. So we've had a lot of people uh, messaging us uh, via Instagram and text and, and Facebook, bringing their questions um, about what we're doing here on this podcast. And one of the continual questions that I've received is, what is yoga? Um, that's a subject that's going to take, in my opinion, more than one podcast to uncover. Yeah. Um, and more than one afternoon of conversations between you and I. But I think I'd like to to skim the surface, have a uh, high-view conversation about what yoga is and how we can use it in our lives. Are you game? Let's do it. I recommend uh, if you have a journal or a piece of paper nearby and you like to take down some notes, throw them our way. We would love to hear if you have any more questions that come out because this is a very broad subject and it, it can, we can go really deep or we can stay shallow and we know that some questions will come up and we would love to answer them for you. You're listening to the podcast, No Expectations, where we discuss all things spiritual. My name's Andrew, a lifelong Zen Bodhisattva, recovering yogi, yoga instructor, and author. And I'm here with my friend and student, Jen. I'm a busy mom, a cyclist. I love to spend time in nature and on my mountain bike and a yogi. I've been asking myself bigger questions about being on a spiritual path. And I've been asking Andrew a lot of bigger questions about this journey. And we invite you to join us on it. Maybe we'll make you laugh. Maybe we won't. No expectations. Okay, Jen. So we're talking about what is yoga today? Um, it is a big subject to put our arms around. And I think what I want to do today is keep it simple. Mm -hmm. uh, discuss what it is in its simple form and what it isn't. Because I think a lot of people um, are confused as they start to think about yoga based on you know the way modern marketing uses yoga. People just like, I see it and like, I don't, I can't do that. I don't know what it is. Is it spirituality? Is it fitness? Is it flexibility? Is it, what? It, what is it? Mm -hmm. And so I want to have that conversation today. Do you mind if we uh, jump into that? I would love to talk about yeah. yoga. Because that's how Jen and I became uh, teacher, student, um, is in a yoga studio and, um, Maybe you can share with, with us what you thought yoga was when you and I first met in a yoga studio. For sure. So I believe we talked about this in our first episode of Resolutions, how uh, for me, yoga was uh, the opportunity to get in a f workout, a fitness. Um, if, if I really just peel back the layers, I wanted a yoga body. Hmm. Um. And I don't think that leaves any room for question for a lot of people. If you've paid any attention to yoga studios or yoga teachers, whether online or, you know, actually in gyms that you go to or studios, uh, there, there's a marketed body that fits yoga in our Western world here. And, you know, it's, it's hard not to get attached to that. So I think I joined yoga because I thought it would help me slim up and strengthen up in ways and tone and. A, a tone was probably the goal I wanted at the time. So, yeah. And I, you know, I, I like the idea of 
uh, getting a workout that ended in um, a peaceful feeling. All right. So if, going back in the time machine to Jen at that point, uh, if somebody started speaking, uh, you know, in broad terms about spirituality and connecting with yourself and the universal consciousness, tell me first impressions of that that entered the Jen world. Oh, wow, that's deep. <laughs> Was it deep? Was it like, I don't drink that Kool-Aid? Don't drink the Kool-Aid, yeah. Yeah, in a way, you know, I, I have a, a very deep connection or upbringing in the Christian church. So yoga has kind of been a contradiction um, to those beliefs. And whether or not I, I follow any belief system now, there was ingrained to in me a yeah, don't drink that Kool-Aid because it's it's not real, I think was right. how it was presented to me at a younger age. So, um, Did it sound disingenuous? Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a yoga class where everyone's whispering and yeah. the light in me sees the light in you. It, yeah, it seemed, uh, um, it seemed kind of almost to, to some extent kind of corny, like, how exists you know how does this really work? Do I have to be like this? Yeah. Is this what it's like to be a yogi? <laughs> I remember telling students I used to come to one of my classes um, I was like, well, you're all yogis now and this one lady said, well, this is my first class. How can I be a yogi? <laughs> and I said, well, you, you showed up. so whether you wanted to be or not, <laughs> welcome to the community. you're a yogi now, right um, when I think about a, a broad definition of what yoga is, and we've probably all heard in other podcasts and we discussed it in probably one of our episodes of what the Sanskrit meaning of yoga is. It's to bind, to bring together, to yoke. Yoke. Right? Um, our breath, mind, and body. I really want to kind of backtrack and think that and talk about the idea that as a as humans in society whether it be modern day or in the past we are disjointed right we're disjointed from our bodies our emotions our mind and our spirit mm-hmm. and the discipline and I will use that word repeatedly without apologies the discipline of yoga is the is that chance to bring those things together your mind, emotions, your body, and your spirit, and to see if you can create harmony. Rejoin yourself. Because this modern society, because I can only speak of that because that's what I currently reside in, Mm -hmm. pulls me apart in a billion different directions all the time, whether it be work, social media, friend connections, distractions with Netflix, other things, desires, Illusions, whatever. I'm being pulled in all of these directions, and it's difficult for me as a human being in 2023 to find that connection with myself, right? Mm -hmm. To balance myself and bring myself back together. And that's what yoga can provide if we allow it. Does that sound cool, lady? No. I mean, it seems pretty, pretty, uh, uh, tangible. Right. I mean, I could give you the Kool-Aid one. Yeah. Yoga is a spiritual science that teaches us how to connect to the ultimate reality within each of us. 
mm-hmm. and understand how we work with each other, and they and we we are part of the all universal consciousness. That sounds tough to wrap my arms around. Yeah, I don't want that. Really, that it's about bringing ourselves together and studying ourselves, self study. Yoga discipline gives us those tools to sit down and study and realize who we really are. For sure. Is it, is it rainbows and puppy dog tails? Not always. <laughs> Sometimes. Oh. Oh, Sometimes. Wow. I have never seen a puppy dog tail. <laughs> oh, you've seen one? A puppy dog tail? In, in, as you're going through your process of joining oh, I, yourself? I, Wow. Yeah. Well, so at some point when you reach this level of contentment through yoga and through the ritual practice of meditation, yeah, I mean, a wagging puppy dog tail is joyful in, in that moment. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. I, I don't think Andrew's ever felt a No, I'm, I'm over here trying tail. to focus on nothingness, <laughs> and you're finding puppy dog tails and unicorns. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if I'm doing this right. Um <laughs> So Everybody's when we think about different. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, when we think about the word yoga in modern society, what does that word mean to you? Other than the definition that I just gave you. Yeah, in modern society, it is uh, yoga is a a class you take. It feels like it, you know, marketed as a, it's a workout. It's a class you take. It's good vibes only. You know, it's. Um, mm-hmm. It's a space where you go to become more flexible. Yeah, that man, I hear that all the time. So mm-hmm. I never really actively advertise myself as a yoga instructor. <laughs> I never do, or a yoga teacher, I never do. But when people come to me and they start talking to me and they find out that I'm a yoga instructor from whatever means, you know, I guess they see me move and do whatever, mm-hmm. and um, my reputation precedes me in some places. <laughs> They say, hey, you know, man, I'd love to do yoga, but my flexibility is rubbish. Yeah. And what I always say to him is like, your physical flexibility is worthless. It's not what we're after in yoga. I want to see you flexible between your ears. And that's where you kind of see them go, what? (laughs) And they shut down. Mm -hmm. Because they've been sold this idea that yoga is simply one thing. It's simply moving, it's stretching, it's flexibility. And if you don't have those physical prerequisites to do that, you're you are not allowed to do yoga. Yeah. And there can be there is no truth to that at all. Yoga is for everyone. And yeah. I mean everyone and everybody. I saw a, um, a Instagram post recently for a local a local yoga studio who said that same thing. Yoga is for everybody. We welcome all. You know, I can't remember the words, but it, I read all shapes and sizes and colors. You're all welcome here. And in the image they posted was uh, three women who looked identical but different hair colors. Um, you know, flat stomachs, and you know, just. Mm-hmm. This ideal of the marketed yoga body, even though in their wording, they're like, we welcome everybody. But right. it, it's just kind of, to me, going through this process and how sad it is to know that we are or not sad, but just disappointing that there's so much about yoga that 
yoga studios just aren't touching on. Well, the great ironies, and just to speak to that, is that yoga a few thousand years ago was men's only. <laughs> Back in India, they were, women were not allowed. It was not for them. They didn't, it, it, society at that time did not think women possessed or deserved the ability to connect to something greater than themselves. So this was a men's only game. And now modern yoga here in the West and throughout the rest of the world, yeah. it's been just kind of, you know, homogenized and spread around the world. It's, it is for everyone, but I would find that it's almost more a women's practice now mm -hmm. than men. And I find it, so for that, as a man who's been doing this teaching for 20-something years, there weren't too many men in the game, like, coming to class when I was beginning. Um, and I still find it difficult for men to break into a yoga class and to find their way into the discipline because they feel like it is women's only. Mm -hmm. Or they show up for the wrong reasons. I've, I've been in <laughs> those classes too. <laughs> no judgment. No judgment. I mean, as a yoga instructor, I've seen some things. So, um, yeah. But it is for men and women and all whoever wants to come, right? Yeah. But it's not about being flexible in your physical body. It's about opening yourself up to new possibilities, right? Yeah. And so I don't want to get into this. Andrew Rant, there's a <laughs> – Jen has a card here. I have a rant card, whether <laughs> he's going off. <laughs> it says rant, and there's a go and a stop. And if Andrew starts to rant, Jen points to the stop one. Or if she greens light me, it goes to the go. <laughs> Um, it's, it's a process. But so I, it, I don't want to bash on any yoga studios or anything like that. What we're here to really talk about is the uh, more bird's eye view of what yeah. yoga is. Don't be lost in the illusion that yoga is a well-curated outfit and mat or workout. Yeah. It's, it's way beyond that. And it's... Uh, it's a it's a journey and it's a process to our true nature and ourself and you know what you think of yoga the classroom the teaching the studio the workout is just the smallest part yeah so why don't we pause here and then we'll jump back in and get deeper into the the the, the more intricate parts of uh, the yoga discipline and see if we can kind of dissect that yep we're talking today about what is yoga. Um, we had a brief description of the ability to bring ourselves together in uh, in the discipline of yoga, our mind, body, and spirit. Um, diving in, in a little deeper, um, we think about uh, the foundations of yoga and what we would consider kind of the most accepted types of yoga. And we could sit and talk about the styles of yoga, and I could I could read out a list uh, of styles that are as long as my arm, but I don't really want to have that conversation. You know, um, what I want to do is talk about the foundations that pretty much all styles of yoga are are grounded in, and um, one of the foundational texts um, that we talk about a lot here. Uh, and it's used in pretty much all 
uh, yoga traditions is uh, Pantanjali's Yoga Sutras, um, the threads of knowledge that he brought together. He was not the author of this book, but he was more of a compiler of this knowledge. Uh, and in there, um, he explains how we can find our way into the discipline. And Jen and I spent a lot of time talking about the sutras and their importance. If, again, asking you to step into the time machine of Jen and going back, if I'd placed that book in front of you when we first met or even before we met, what would you would have thought? Well, I can tell you what I did think. Um, it all sounded like a bunch of jumbled garbage honestly i like it's it sounded cool but there are all these big words and you know talking about your, your just your subconscious and beyond that and it was just a space that i was not ready to explore and when we started exploring it i took a lot of time diving into just the introduction right and I made notes of everything I, I read, and as I go back and read those notes, I can see how just new this information was and how it was not easily digestible on my own. And it took Andrew and I, you know, we just went line item by line item, basically, yeah. diving into it. So I would say if you pick up the sutras and you start reading it, it's... it. it well, let me, let me stop you there. Um, they're not designed to be read without knowledge, mm-hmm. without guidance. It's shared, yeah. So you, you, you know, also it's not a great read, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> you know, it's not a great read. No pictures. You have to understand Indian literature at that time. Um, understand that right up the beginning, he gives you everything you need to know in that first, in that first sutra, that first line. Mm-hmm. And then, and then for the rest of the sutras, he pretty much tries to explain why he says that. Now the teaching on yoga begins. Yeah. Right? And then the, from then on, it's he's explaining, he's supporting that hypothesis. Yeah. So um, the other day I took this book, Yoga Sutras, to one of my youth classes because the kids in there had said to me, hey, we want to do more complex stuff. <laughs> And I make the kids do yoga asana, and I make them do meditation and all of this thing. I make them. I mean, the best I can. Guide them. Guide, guide them. them. But so I brought the Yoga Sutra book to class, and I asked one of the kids, I said, open this book up and show me how many pictures are, are in here of someone doing, you know, a yoga asana. How many are in there? None. Show me the proper downward dog as described yeah. by. <laughs> so, uh, you know, show me somebody doing breathing techniques, pranayama work. None. Mm-mm. There is none of that in here. We don't want to get bogged down in all of those things. There's, that's not the purpose of this. Right? The purpose of this, this piece of literature is for us to get the toolbox opened up and use these tools that he's providing us. And the physical stuff and the, the breathwork stuff is a very, 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 very small part mm-hmm. of the discipline. Right? I, I took out, um, as he's describing the purpose and the, you know defining what is yoga, I took out two key phrases and um, 
the description that yoga is the journey to effortless being mm-hmm. and the in way in which we purify the nervous system. Right. I also want to put a caveat in here. We, we need to be careful about taking stuff out of context out of the sutras. Mm-hmm. And I, I can see we get inundated with sutras that are pulled out and thrown on Instagram and they don't make any sense by themselves or they make, they seem to make sense, but out of context, it doesn't, it's, it's just a feel good moment. Can you give me an example of what you mean? No. Okay. No. <laughs> How dare That's you? Good. You'll think of something uh, later on. How dare you? I'm going to be honest. No. I, but, but we, we see it, especially in the, in the, um, trying to connect to the sutras and, and yoga and, you know, either whether it's getting people in your door in yoga or, right. it, but yeah, I know what you mean. I, the yoga sutras aren't taught as much in a teacher training program as they used to be. And that's, um, kind of chilling for me. Like if you're going to teach teachers how to teach the discipline of yoga, they mm-hmm. need to have some knowledge of the fundamental text. So that's, sure. that. hold on, the rant card went up. <laughs> Dang it. That was close. So why don't we jump into the kind of the meat and potatoes of uh, the yoga sutras in the fact that uh, Patanjali was, was talking about uh, the eight limbs of the discipline. And that would give us some good talking points because I think there is um, – a lot to find there and have discussion about. Okay. Um, the eight limbs of yoga, um, or or what his definition is of how we can find our way to enlightenment, samadhi, settled mm, mind, a settled mind, right? Um, and one of the first steps is uh, the yamas. And I will not use all the Sanskrit words because it doesn't really matter because we don't communicate in Sanskrit anymore. I'll try to keep it simple. And so there's... I'll hold them to that. The yamas, which is a Sanskrit word, uh, social observances or restraints, right? These things that we need to focus on. um, And there's five inside of there. Nonviolence. So when I say nonviolence, what does that mean to you, Jen? Um, does that mean well, don't punch me in the face? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's showing unkind, unkindness to myself, to others, harm, violence, wishing that upon other, one, other people, wishing any kind of harm or suffering. But I think it starts inside of us first. Yeah, for me, the... You know, this the way negative I talk, to talk. Myself. yeah. Well, you know, dang it, Andrew, why didn't you do this? And what do you you could have done that better? And blah blah blah. And that's that's you know that's violence to ourselves. Um, so why would we want to do that? Yeah. And we, when we think of we come to the yoga mat, you know, and like, oh, I'm horrible at this today. What's wrong with me? I can't get into that. I can't do yeah. this. The guy next to me is doing it. Why can't mm-hmm. I do this? You, you suck. You know, that's, that's not practicing. That's not non-violence. practicing not nonviolence because 
what happens there. If we continue that kind of dialogue, we can take that outside the room and then outside into the rest of our lives, and it just kind of snowballs from there. Mm-hmm. So we we want to really maintain this idea of being kind to ourselves. Always, and it's it's a practice. And it's a practice. Man, it's a practice. Um, I know from my own journey, um, as a young man, I went by the Drew, right? Mm-hmm. And as a an athlete, everyone knew me as Drew. And when my father would come and tell me what I did and do, didn't do well on the field as as an athlete... It was always, Drew, you didn't do this right. Drew, you didn't do this right. And as I got to be older, for whatever reason, I just started to go by Andrew. I think it was just easier. I went off to college, and all my enrollment forms Mm -hmm. said Andrew on it, right? And so it was like, instead of trying to correct everyone, I was like, fine, I'll just go by Andrew. So for all these years, I've been Andrew. But there used to be a little voice in my head when things would go sideways, and I would talk to myself as Drew. Like, Drew, you suck. Mm. Drew, you suck. Why are you doing that, Drew? And I, I could feel that change. I knew that was going on inside of me. And I was being violent to myself. I was using old ways to communicate to myself in a negative manner. Mm-hmm. So I had to say, Drew, you're, you're a great athlete and an amazing human being. You are. You continually you're, to be. You continue you're radiant. To, you're, oh, put the rant card down. Put the rant card down. Um, oh, you were pointing to go. Go, Oh, you were pointing to go, oh, yeah. pointing to go rant. Go, oh, my bad. Go be more uh, kind to yourself, Drew. So Andrew. I had to put, I had to let Drew go because he was just connected to negativity. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing we're talking about here. Those negative connotations that come with this mm-hmm. stuff. As so, a as a mom, you know, I I caught myself, and you know, kids watch everything you do. Um, when my daughter was much younger and at that impressionable age, I caught her, you know, watching me in the bath or you know, bathroom getting dressed one day, and you could tell that I was not being kind to myself. And I see her reflection in the mirror and. It was the first time I had a realization that my unkind behavior and talk to myself was just flowing off of me onto those around me. And, you know, that was a, a real life. I, I wasn't really studying or practicing yoga at the time, but it was a moment where I recognized how, how I treat myself Impacts people around impacts you. Impacts those around you. You're just so transmitting greatly. that negative energy, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's it's it's really important to to recognize that. So the first step in in that is nonviolence. Second of all, truthfulness. Um, does that mean when I see something that I don't like, that I don't find pretty, that I call it out? Like, man. Uh, that banana yellow car you drive is horrible. <laughs> is that truthfulness? No, that's my opinion. Yeah, that's just an opinion. That... So truthfulness is, is not opinion-based. Um, it's um, about trying to refrain from creating illusions in our own mind about our own things, you know, like deceiving ourselves, 
And if we can find um, contentment in our own truth, then we can be more truthful with other people in our lives yeah. and create deeper connections. I mean, I, I think we all do that to a degree, right? Like, like as I was joking about Drew and myself saying that I'm a beautiful and sunny person, I think most people who've interacted with me like, <laughs> don't think I'm super ray of sunshine. Sunny. Till they get to know you, maybe. Like, then they realize. <laughs> but, you know, like we don't want to wrap ourselves in this um, shroud of illusions about who we are and, and who, who we think we need to be, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as, um, as yoga instructors um, and teachers, there's this idea that I have to be a version of a stereotype or cliche. And if I'm not that, then I'm not really being true to the discipline, which I find to be rubbish. Yeah. It's complete rubbish. Um, you know, just because you want a spiritual journey doesn't mean you shed yourself of who you are. Yeah. Um, and become the color tan, you know, or mm-hmm. vanilla, or just like clear. Yeah. Just you know, nothing. Inch, you know, I think that's the mis- misconception here is when you go on these journeys with spirituality that your personality gets washed. Mm-hmm. You know, and I disagree with that. Once you go on this spiritual journey and start speaking to yourself with truthfulness and honesty, that you become more comfortable in yourself. And all of those uniqueness and those, the, the colors inside of yourself are vibrant and more pronounced. Do you have to, do you have to be a caricature? No. But I, for me, I, I took truthfulness as showing up as I am. And that that, you know, sounds like, yeah, just show up as you are. You know, it doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, or, you know, how you walk in the door, you know, physically. But for me, it took a lot of work to, as I am, I am showing up to my mat, whether it was full of anxiety or, you know, showing up to my relationships just as I am and, sh- you know, taking off all these layers that I'd covered myself up to, to protect myself or to um, feel like I fit in or try to fit in. And it, it was just a, am I being my true, honest self in every space I enter? And well, that's difficult. I mean, that's really yeah. difficult. Um, but this is the, you have to uncover what their, your truth is too. And that's scary t- in itself. And that that tool that we use to do that is compassion, mm-hmm. and that's another episode you should yeah. you should listen to about compassion. We can use that as a way to kind of forgive ourselves, to cut through some things, and to find who we really are. And once we're you know grounded in that, then it becomes easier. Yeah. Right. Um. The third one, non-stealing. Uh, it's not like I'm taking your phone away from you or, you know, um, relieving you of your wallet. Physically stealing <laughs> a thing. Uh, I um, It's sometimes taking, you know, someone else's joy. You know, people will come to me and they're like, or, you know, I hear these conversations in class with two students like, oh, today was really great for me. I was able to do X, Y, and Z. And the student that they were talking to is like, uh, that was all right. I saw what you were doing, but it wasn't great. <laughs> yeah. It's a form of stealing. 
you don't have to say mm-hmm. that, right? We even though there's probably a whole lot of other things going on with student B's reaction to student A. Yeah. But a student B should be like, "Hey, I'm happy for you. I'm glad you found something today." Um, you know, when I teach kids, there's a kid that's kids that are occasionally disruptive for whatever reason. They're just being kids. kids. Mm-hmm. But they're, to me, that's a form of stealing, and I had to explain that to them. Like when you're being disruptive, the rest of the room is unable to, to yeah. you know, to work on the things that they're here to work on. And so what you're what you're doing is taking them taking yeah. that opportunity away from them. I see if we thinking in the yoga class scenario, um, walking in late to a class yeah. is, Don't even. is stealing. I'm, he's about to go on a rant, but I already got the card up. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, you know, that happened to me recently and the whole class was kind of put on hold until, you know, the student came in and, you know, for me as a student who's gone through a lot of work to, you know, be in the space and practice and not let distractions get me. You could tell that the teacher was just frustrated and, mm-hmm. you know, just having to get into her zone. And, you know, for me, it felt briefly that moment of, you know, you're, st- I have an hour of time and you're, yeah. Yeah. It's a form of stealing. Mm-hmm. And I think we do it to ourselves too. You know, we steal from ourselves um, example, recently um, in one of my Hatha classes, a student sat with her phone in front of her mat and was messaging during class. And at the end of class, I walked over and I was like, hey, you know, what's going on with this phone? She's like, well, you know, I, I have a lot of work to do. And if I don't get this work done, you know, da, da, da. And I said, I said, you know, Basically, you're just stealing from yourself. And she said, well, what do you mean? And I said, if, if you can't take an hour, a simple hour of your time to disconnect from that, then you're setting the groundwork for the rest of your life, for all your relationships with yourself and with other people, of that your time's not worth anything. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, it's really important I get this work done. If I don't get this work done, then you know my boss will be upset with me. And I, and I said, yeah, but it's important for you to get this other work done, this other work inside of yourself. And I, she came back to class, which to my surprise, a week later, and she did better. She put her phone in the back of the studio. Yeah. It's baby steps. Baby steps, yeah. Uh, so that's a, that's a form of stealing from yourself. Like, Why would you deprive yourself of the ability to just yeah. you know take a moment to be with yourself with your own thoughts in that space and and see what you uncover there any more thoughts about non or non stealing yeah all right no excess so in a yogic tradition and really what patanjali was talking about uh, in the yoga sutras about no excess was celibacy okay yeah, uh, it's that. Is that something that we can use in modern society as adults? I mean, I think sex is important. You know, to relationships, yeah. I, I think it's perfectly natural. Um, is it? Um, is it out of bounds? No, 
you know, I think Patanjali was thinking that we all should save that sacred uh, fluid, if you will, mm. inside of us because it's life force and that we should just not give it away. Yeah. And I agree with that. Um, you know, and if you're in a relationship or, you know, I think sex is a perfectly natural thing. But I think we can more apply it to modern day uh, when we say non excess, it's the idea of just. Um, not overdoing it. Yeah, food, food, drink, you know, um, sex. Whatever. Don't don't Maybe become addicted to something. To pleasures. D- yeah. yeah, you know, and we'll have a conversation about attachment at some point. But um, don't seek desire. You know, and think about yeah. life in moderation, um, and and don't try to um, take more than you need, which would really lead us unless you've got more would really lead us to the next one, which is non-greed. Non-greed. Um, uh, non-coveting, those types of things. Um, the idea of letting go what you don't need, right? And not hoarding a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is like it always only... like physical stuff? No, just taking what you need. So for back to the, the analogy, the, the story of the girl with the phone, she was she was giving away too much, right? Yeah. Um, so we, we don't need all of these things that we feel like we've got to hoard and hold on to. So what are we doing that for? I mean, the society we live in mm. is... Like capitalizing on <laughs> on our desires, our human desires to have more, have more that there's joy and you know even having you know a higher education or there's joy and there's uh, so much you know uh, to hold on to that we can possess, whether it's new cars and bigger houses and yeah, it's just a constant flood of buy more, attain more. Yeah. Uh, my experience with it, I, I am a minimalist. I always have been. Um, and a lot of people don't understand that. Um, and they're like, why, why wouldn't you want a big house? Why wouldn't you want all of these clothes? Why wouldn't you want... And I found that it never... It never offered me... Well, what it did offer me was temporary joy. Mm-hmm. Little quick hits of dopamine. Right. And uh, it was something that just never satisfied me. I mean, there's things... It's like I like to collect things on occasion, but then I realized, like, this really isn't that fun. I like the chase. Mm-hmm. I like the chase of being able to go find a record that I was looking for or something like that. But then once I found it, I played it a few times. I'm like, okay, cool. yeah. all right. Um, now what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think living simply is really important. Yeah, it's hard. So from you know my perspective, I grew up with not much. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anything. And as I became an adult and I started making my own money and started you know having a family. There was this innate need, like deep inside of me, to give my kids everything I didn't have mm-hmm. and more. And so, you know, I, I, just, I would just shower them with gifts and money, and 
you know, things I thought they needed that would bring them joy because it would have brought me joy as a kid to have more. And, you know, going through the study, I realized, like, no, no, it's those things are all materialistic and they have a short lifespan and they're actually doing harm Hmm. in a lot of ways. And letting that go has been it was hard to recognize and see in myself like this need to attain more was causing harm. Right. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, um, our desires as human being are, are endless, <laughs> mm-hmm. are endless. And so there's this, you know, if we train ourselves to constantly feel like we need more and more and more, there's always something else. It's a hamster wheel, the newer version, the, the bigger yeah. version. Um, and we'll never be able to get off of that. Yeah. So it's important to to let those things go because once you start to let those things go and not holding on to all those things, you can really understand the importance of what's in front of you right now yeah. and how valuable it is. Um, and it doesn't boil down to a bunch of shit, to be quite honest with you, mm-hmm. is what it is. Like, um, we're, we you know inundate ourselves with all these other things to cover up whatever else is going on in our lives, but when we never really take the opportunity to value what's important to us and fleeting, which is the connection to ourselves, the relationships we have, um, and how we can all enrich each other. Those are things that are really important. Right. Those are just the simplest, you know, it, so simple, but they're so Simple, common. but massively complex at right. the same time. massively. So let's pause here. We're going to... Um, Jump back into Niyamas after we come back from a break, and then um, we'll continue our exploration of what is yoga. Off we go. Um, back talking about what is yoga. Um, we've, we are diving into uh, the eight limbs of yoga. We've uh, just completed our conversation about yamas. Restraints. Restraints, yeah. Sorry, I said I wouldn't, but I did. And, <laughs> and I told you I'd hold them accountable. So what's the next one we're going to do? The next one is uh, the Niyamas. Oh, wow. You're talking Sanskrit now. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, not non-restraints and observances. Okay. Um, our relationship with our minds and our thoughts, right? It goes on in here. So we talk about purity first, purification uh, of body and mind. What does that mean? Well, I mean, when I think of purification, I think of uh, washing, cleaning. Inside and out. Hmm, okay. Inside and out. Um, our minds as well as our, as our bodies. Um, I think a, a good modern analogy is uh, turning off your cell phone, turning off your devices. Um, that's a good way to cleanse yourself. You you touched on it briefly uh, in the last segment about the dopamine pump. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our our brains are designed for just a few things. If I'm being quite honest, <laughs> it's uh, it's to you know seek food and eat, and to have sex, pleasure, right? and yeah. pleasure, right, and um. Our brains really aren't that great at controlling this dopamine thing. And so when we see food as a caveman or saw food as a caveman, <laughs> that dopamine kicked Let's in. Go. Like, yes, I'm happy. Right. Same thing with pleasure. I'm happy. 
right? Well, technology has found a way to hack the system, and we've become addicted to this pump that we get from every time we pick up our phone. It's a Pavlovian thing of pick uh-huh. up my phone and, oop, oh, 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 you know, like, oh, oh, I got a like. Somebody like my pose. Look at me. Yeah. I'm the best. And, you know, like, it's, mm-hmm. we're victimizing ourselves. We are harming ourselves. So over this. time, that constant dopamine, we're just hooked. We're an addict, mm-hmm. right? So purifying ourselves of that. Um, turning off your phone. My my story about phones is when I first when I wrote started writing my first novel. I'd already figured out how I was going to do it from a time um, time constraint type thing. But what it really worked for me um, was once I said I'm going to sit down every day from two to four o'clock and write. And I didn't care if I wrote one sentence or one chapter. I was just going to sit down and write, give myself the opportunity. The uh, biggest factor in that success for me was turning off my phone. Yeah. And I'll be honest, after a while, there was something so beautiful and cathartic about pressing power off in the middle of the day. <laughs> right. At two o'clock and being like, I'll see you in two hours, world. Right. And it'd be like, click. And I was like, ah. Oh. It was like somebody just took a piano off my back. Wow. And being able to give myself that space to sit and not have to think, I got to pick up my phone and like, Ooh, oh, I got an email I got to respond to. I got a text I need to say something witty to. That was a purification moment for me. I'm totally still stealing that. Um, uh, not <laughs> borrowing <laughs> that. Um it's so important. I have. I can go on a rant all day long. About you want to hold the card? No, I'm going to hold on to this card. I'm grasping on to the rant card right now because I I see it in myself, and I see it in my kids, and I see it when you go anywhere. Everyone is just glued to their devices, mm-hmm. and we're losing our ability to connect with ourselves and connect with each other in real, true forms. Mm-hmm by this device that the machine has created to sell us more and to give us more and to make us feel like we're we're important. And, oh, my gosh, yeah. I, I felt like even as we started this podcast over the last week, it's almost been a month that I found myself um, participating in social media more than I ever have. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I needed to understand that when I sit down and, and create a post – that it's that's all I'm going to do. Yeah, that's like that's it. And then like I've gotten to the point where I'm just going to plan out a week full of posts. Sorry guys, there are some <laughs> of them are canned. Plan them out a week in advance so I don't have to sit there and interact with it. Yeah. Um, and I, I was, mean, are we feeding into the machine by? I like to think that we're using the devices that we have to transmit the message mm-hmm. that we're trying to get out to the world. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we can't, you and I can't stop that. It's going to mm-hmm. continue on with or without us. Um, can we use the medium at our disposal to maybe help some people who are on yeah. that path? That's my hope. Yeah. So again, you know, just so everyone knows, Jen and I do this just because it's not, we don't do this 
because there's we're making tons of money at this. We're, we don't do this Nine for any other reason. <laughs> we just do this because we feel like this is an important thing to do, to have these conversations, to say these things out loud, to speak in, in common ways uh, about very difficult topics. Yeah. So I think we have to use um, what we've been given. Uh, we've wandered off the path of purity. <laughs> but... Um, it is about, you know, cleaning yourself inside and out, you know, mm-hmm. not eating junk food. You know, those are kind of simple things like, you know, eat the best quality foods you can, you know, um, bathe yourself regularly. I mean, I, when exercise. I, this was <clears throat> purification for me was letting go of alcohol mm-hmm. as, um, you know, something I enjoyed drinking or, you know, something that I used to relax and calm down. And when I stopped drinking alcohol, the, um, the veil was kind of lifted and, and I, I could sense a purification physically for sure. Um, but mentally, uh, it was a a purification. There's a mis there's a misconception that, um, substances, help you on this journey, um, you know, whether it be, you know, marijuana or, you know, ayahuasca or, you know, alcohol, that somehow that heightens this journey for you. It does not. It it's just creates more confusion. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, look, I'm, I have no problems with any of those things. Like, I'm not a straight-edge guy. I get these things exist in the world. You know, I'm Irish. My mom gave me Guinness as a baby. (laughs) (laughs) A little whiskey for the gums. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, no, it was Guinness. It was Guinness for the gums. I didn't understand mother's milk. It was Guinness, okay? (laughs) It's a meal in itself. Um, You know, marijuana exists. I have no problem with any of these things. It's mm-hmm. not an issue of, like, clean all that stuff out of your system. If you want to do that, by all means, continue that. But if you think that is going to accelerate or make things uh, more vibrant for you in this journey, you are mistaken. Mm-hmm. So do yourself the opportunity, do yourself the favor, and take it out and see how, how well you progress. Yeah. Okay. So good point, Jen, about them. the alcohol. You know, getting that out. Opening yourself up, because what we end up doing is, like, if we cover the stuff up with substances, we're just kind of uh, padding ourselves from potential pain. Yeah. Because we don't want to feel the pain. Prolonging. Yeah. Prolonging it. Okay. All right. The next one's contentment. (laughs) Contentment. Uh, I posted about contentment uh, recently on social. Is contentment happiness? To me, it's not. Yeah. Um, I, I liked, I've explained this to other students that, you know, life is an ocean and there are going to be plenty of waves on that ocean, ups and downs. Um, and when we get to the top of a wave, we feel really great. We can see things differently. We're happy and da, 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 you know, we're above the things. Um, and then that happiness goes away and we're down in the trough of the wave and we are sad. And we long to be back at the top of the wave. Mm-hmm. And 
this up and down, back and forth, uh, yo-yo type life with our emotions is difficult. And I want to think less about happiness and sadness and more about an evenness, which is contentment. Where does contentment exist in the waves? Does it mean there's no fluctuations? Does it mean there's no ups and downs? No, but they're less intense. Mm-hmm. They're just more even. Like yeah, you're just like you know, you're on a a pool float. You're yeah, just, just kind of bobbing there. Boom, yep. boom, boom. Unmoved by yeah, and um, the ebb and you're flow. like okay, cool. This is this is you know this is a nice moment. Oh, okay. Well, this is this is not as nice as a moment, but I'm still happy here. Mm-hmm. I'm still good here. This yeah. is I'm, this is goodness. And knowing that neither one of those feelings will last right forever. Like that's the I important part. Can't hold on to happy this joyful, happy, excited, anticipating emotion. Just like I can't hold on to the sadness and you know the the parts that aren't the bottom of the wave. Yeah. But the thing is, I you know. A lot of things I discuss um, with with students is why does happiness appear so short and fleeting, and why does sadness seem to stay with us longer? How do they answer that? They haven't thought about I, it. Yeah, and we because we, in my opinion, is because we give sadness that that space in our lives because you know we think that things were better than back then when we were at the top of the wave, when we were happy. But in happiness, did we really, were we really present in happiness? Were we really present as the wave started to crest up? Did we even know? Did we even know? Were we even giving ourselves that space to be available? Probably not. But when when the crest of the wave, did we really, were really like taking that opportunity to say, I'm happy. This is a good moment. Yeah. This is a good moment. And as things, the wave starts to go down, we start feeling that it's sliding away. And what we end up doing is like grasping for it, trying to hold on, trying to hold on. What are those quick fixes? And what happens when you try to grab water? <laughs> yeah. It just slides yeah. through your fingers. And then you find yourself down in the trough and you're like, man, this stinks. This sucks. And you continue that negative mm-hmm. cycle yeah. and you get in the wash and it's harder to get out, right? Because we think we got to be back up there. Yeah. So contentment is finding that even, even keel, understanding there's fluctuations that will come and go, but, um, yeah. it's, uh, takes, uh, an active practice of gratitude, you think? Yeah. And I think. Um, that active practice is how we start to find our way to our true selves too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Gratitude, compassion. And then we start to unlock the ability to find our true selves. Okay. Boom. What else? All right. Next one is uh, self-discipline. Self-discipline. I would align with like spiritual study. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. Um, an effort toward a future value. Which kind of goes contrary to what we talk about with 
you know, no expectations. Mm-hmm. What's that future value to you? Mm-hmm. Samadhi. True yeah. self? Yeah, my true self. Like effortless being. Mm-hmm. Effortless being. That's difficult. Mm. <laughs> Who knew it took so much work to be effortless? <laughs> don't try. Yeah, don't try. It's don't try. Okay, moving on. What right. else? Uh, then we have self-study or the intentional seeking to uh, know who you are. All right, cutting through and trying to find our true selves. Um, I consider that more also a spiritual study too, right? Um, find your own way. And that's a thing too that we run into a lot here in um, a spiritual journey is this idea that uh, someone's already always telling you how they've got it all figured out and then if you follow them, you'll find your way. I can't. Yeah. My way is different than your way. Your enlightenment is your enlightenment. <clears throat> how do we how do we get into a the situation where self-study and I mean a situation the, the society as a whole self-study is so far removed from what we're actively working. You know like um higher education you know there's so much you know focus from the moment our kids hit you know preschool age until they're in their mid-20s, like, you should just be studying outward and studying more about the laws of nature and life and politics. And um, there's just all this time spent with this need to study everything but ourselves. And What's that done? In, in my opinion, it's disconnected ourselves from our intuition. We're too busy trying to connect to our intellect, where we think our intellect can solve all the problems inside of ourselves, but we've really disconnected from our intuition, our ability to think, trust our gut to lead us. Mm. Um, you know, as I was thinking about modern psychology um, and how I think <laughs> I might irritate a few friends of mine in the <laughs> psychology uh field field of psychology is the fact that you know they're all trying to adopt these things that we're talking about they're trying to integrate these mindfulness practices into a framework of modern psychology my experience with psychology is this idea that you need to control your life okay. wrap your arms around your life take control of it get a hold of it yeah right spirituality is not asking you to do that Spirituality is asking you to accept your life as it is, understand it, maybe surrender. Yeah. And that's what leads us to the next part. I don't want to jump into it too soon, but giving yourself up to the process. Yeah. And that only arrives with self-study. Um, connecting to what is sacred to you. And I, and as we talk about yoga, and I think that's where some people like start to like, well... I'm a Christian, or I'm I'm Jewish, and or I'm a Muslim. I can't I can't be yogic. I can't have yogic traditions and be these other things. Yes, you can. Yeah. Yes, you can. They're they're just different trees in the same forest, and they all can accentuate each other. Um, 
So when we talk about, when we use the word God or self or anything like that, that's whatever that is for you. Whatever you hold sacred in your mind about a, a higher, a higher, higher power. Mm-hmm. You know, if you consider a ham sandwich to be sacred to you in a higher power, then by all means, attach yourself to the study of a ham sandwich. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing yours is not a ham sandwich. No, it's not. Um, I do want to make a point in the um, on your point about psychology and psychologists and um, the mental health field. I think that the study of yourself and yoga can partner with the psychology. And I think that I believe in modern science and modern um, mental health uh, support out there. So, no, like, not to, not, yeah, I wasn't saying. Just, I, I, don't I don't think you were. It. I just I don't want anyone to hear like you don't need to go to therapy. Just know who you are because you know there's a you, you can do both and you probably should do both. Yeah, I agree with that 110. Yeah. percent um, not by not in no way trying to say that yeah, one is yeah. more superior than the other. Again, it's about finding the pieces that work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, my experience as a young man raised uh, as as a Christian, uh, at about you know my early teens, became interested in, in Buddhism. Um, early twenties started um, my journey with yoga, um, and then as be quite honest with you, is I started to kind of find my rhythm in life. I was presented with a very traumatic experience, and my spirituality at that point was so immature that it wasn't able to connect the dots for me, or I wasn't able to connect the dots. And so I did seek out uh, mental health specialists Mm -hmm. to help me. And then I used those tools simultaneously. So my understanding of Buddhism, yogic traditions, modern psychology, to help me past that. Yeah. So I found a recipe for that. And then as I got older, my my perception of those tools changed. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like I just some of them stripped away. Yeah. Um. Uh, and so if we, when you hear me in the beginning of this podcast talk to myself as a recovering yogi, it's not because I was injured and um, or addicted to yoga. It's because I found different connection with it. Yeah, yeah. My idea of Buddhism has changed where uh, for the last 20-something years I consider myself a Zen Buddhist, which is different than just traditional Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Um, I still believe in a lot of the um, elements in modern psychology. So it is use those things. Yeah. Find that cookbook for yourself and bake that up mm-hmm. and for your own well-being. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I think, so as we end our uh, niyamas, we go into surrender. Right? Surrendering, letting ourselves go into the devotion, letting things happen, right? Being... Just kind of giving ourselves in. Oh, that one's so hard. Um, Because that means that surrendering, I I have to let go of control. I have to let go of the need to control. And um, 
the fight, the fight to live or the fight to, you know, what fight? keep people safe, to keep myself safe. Just this internal, this internal fight that we create with ourselves. This Is it a made up battle? Uh, yeah. Or a learned battle and yeah. experiences that set our expectations that make us feel like we have to control situations and people and things and um, surrender is a, a big deal. That's a big. Is it surrendering to the ham sandwich? Mm, I will not. I don't eat. But it is surrendering I to something that you <laughs> believe in, right? It is surrendering to something, to something you believe yeah. in. So if it is, it is the the greater universe, the universal consciousness, God, whatever that is for you, ham sandwich. I'm going to bring you around a ham sandwich. I will not eat it. I didn't say I'd eat it. <laughs> you don't I eat don't. what's sacred to you. Wait, wait. I just said. I mean, I'm learning a lot about you in this ham sandwich situation. I don't right even now. eat ham. <laughs> I don't either. Why are we bringing it up? And there's way too many carbs. There's way too many carbs in that bread. There's no way I'm eating that bread. It's a, it's a ham roll up. Ham roll up. Um, uh, tofu roll up. We do I, not endorse ham sandwiches <laughs> on this podcast. I just have to make that clear. Um, surrender is. It, it is also an active process of surrendering. And I think for me, I find contentment in the surrender. That's a, that's some pretty big minerals on you to say that mm-hmm. contentment in the surrender. Yeah. Oh, it can be fun. It can be challenging. It yeah. is about no expectations when you surrender. Yeah. I said I find it. I didn't seek it. It wasn't. <laughs> Give me the rant card. <laughs> I don't know why you get to hold the rant card and I don't. We all know why. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, again, when you surrender, you're surrendering yourself to this journey. And we're thinking about this is, is not a religious surrender, but, uh, you know, connecting yourself deeper into this mental discipline that you're creating for yourself mm-hmm. and trusting yourself, yourself. And that's very specific about that. Yourself, not someone else. Trusting yourself in this process. Yeah. Right? Um, and see where it takes you. And we've talked about before, it's not always going to be puppy dog tails and rainbows. No, not always. But Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> You're not selling it very hard, Jen. No, no expectations. No expectations. <laughs> I mean, so like we've talked about the yamas of their strengths and then the yamas, the, you know, the the, the not restraints. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, can I repeat them again? In case? You can do whatever okay. you want. This oh, is your yeah, podcast. Too. My best. Um, so in the yamas, we are the non-harming, the non-violence. Um, or the restraints. We have non-harming, non-violence, truth, non-stealing, no excess, and non-greed. That sounds very similar to the seven deadly sins. Or the eight noble truths. Yeah, or the, yep. Or the seven deadly, what is, oh, there's a disconnect there. I'm going to do some research. Yeah. Now we're. <laughs> Look, spirituality is all about recycling. Re- so, yeah, you know, take the. If you found something great, why not just reuse it? <laughs> right. <clears throat> Um, and in the niyamas or the not restraints, we have purification, contentment, self-discipline, self-study, and devotion. 
And um, we'll probably list these on the Instagram if you want to like and follow us. We'll uh, we'll kind of go into detail on some of those. If you have questions, let us know. Yeah, DM us uh, on Instagram uh, at no, no expectations, expectations the podcast. Make sure you uh, like and follow us wherever you listen to this podcast. Uh, it helps you know when we produce a new episode, which we try to do every week. I think we're going to stop here for this episode, even though we've just like um, dipped our toes in this ocean um, of what is yoga. We're going to continue c- talking about this in episodes moving forward. Um, really appreciate you joining us. Give yourself the opportunity to uh, jump in and uh, enjoy your own journey with it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at No N O Expectations, the podcast. And there you'll find a link in our bio to our Spotify where we will be posting new episodes. You can message us your questions or comments. We'd love to hear from you. Please like and share our podcast with your friends and family. Thanks for joining us on this conversation.